Welcome to Season 4, Episode 3 of As You Go, a podcast meant to encourage and disciple women who are daily trying to follow Jesus while balancing all of the things in their lives like work, family, friendships, mental and physical health, and so much more. I'm Kathy, hosting alongside Miranda. Hello, Miranda. Hello. And today we're super excited to be joined by Marcy Nix. Marcy is a part of our Rolling Hills online campus. Yes. Um, She has some beautiful family connections Mm -hmm. to our staff. Marcy, thank you so much for being here with us today. It's such a pleasure to be here with y'all. I'm very excited. She's a lot of fun already, right? (laughs) Yes. A lot of fun already. Marcy brings the fun. She does bring the fun. Marcy, (laughs) tell us a little bit about who you are and how long you have been a part of Rolling Hills. Okay, so I... um I am Marcy Nix. I live in Florida, but my son-in-law works at Rolling Hills. And so um, when he came to work at Rolling Hills, um, I had gone through some personal trauma, really, Mm -hmm. in my life, and I just couldn't go back to our family church. And so I started watching online. And oftentimes it was just Sean and I and maybe a couple other people online back then five years ago. And now this beautiful campus has blossomed and just so many great friends that are part of the campus and um, women's Bible study. It's just been a beautiful thing. So in life, I am a Grammy. I have Shane and Shiloh, (laughs) my two grandsons that are my life. and Sam's my only child. Mm-hmm. Um, she's married to Sean. I am a teacher of elementary students and a sister. I have four sisters, an aunt to many, many, many nieces and nephews. Wow. It's so great. Um, and, you know, I love gardening. I love being outside. I love going to the beach, all the Florida things. That's me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. That is great. Um, Marcy. You know, right now, our online campus and just being able to minister to people and serve people online is such a big deal. And like you said, our online campus has really blossomed. You have been a part of that and a part of our online groups. Why do you think the online option is important for so many people? Well, you know, the obvious answer is after 2020, um, Online, everything became important to so many people because it was the only way we were being connected after 2020 when everybody was um, shut down and and that was our only option. But, you know, beyond that, I think that it's really an important um, and a great ministry for people who can't get out and go to church. So I remember growing up, and we would have the shut-ins, and we would go over and we would visit with them after church, but they couldn't go to church. Well, now we have some ladies who live over on the west coast of the United States, and one of them lives in um, in an assisted living facility. She joins us on Sunday mornings. The other one lives in um, California. She recently lost her husband, and she had been plugged into our online campus, and so now that for her is her church. She yeah. has new knees that she just got, therapy, all of those things. So it goes beyond just the we needed to do it for 2020. Right. And I and I think, too, there are so many people that um, have had a bad taste, sadly, of church. Mm-hmm. And it's a whole lot easier to hop online 
Nobody can see you unless you want them to. And you can, you know, slowly start getting involved in things. And now you can see where God still loves you, Jesus is for you, and all of those things, and hopefully start developing a relationship. Um, I think it's a safe place for so many people mm-hmm. that walking into a, a building might not be, you know. That, that is so great. And um, I think a lot of people, um, when they think of online, I think um, they their view is that it's how can you create community mm-hmm. online or how can you actually develop relationships with those people can you just talk about that a little bit? How have you been able to develop community and create intentional relationships with the the women or people in your group? So I think, um, you know, the easy answer to that, again, is 2020, we were forced to, to make mm-hmm. intimate relationships happen online. Um, we were forced to get on Zoom and visit with our family and our friends and do our Bible studies and all of those things. Um so that kind of started all of the intentional relationships for me because now I wasn't the only one online with the host. Now all of these people were online with us and needing and wanting so badly to connect, to have that community. And even, you know, two years later when we're coming out of 2020, you know, Barna studies are showing that there are young people who crave community and crave fellowship, um, and a, an easy, great way to do that is hop online, do a Zoom Bible study, or have your um, community group online, join church on Sunday mornings, or the women's event that we just had. Mm-hmm. I ran into Chloe as I was walking over, and she said across all platforms on Thursday night, there were 70 women, wow. 70 women, and they were engaged with the question. I think, Marcy, that is exactly why it's important to talk about this and to let people know that you can create community online. And in fact, in a deep way that I wouldn't, honestly, I kind of was a little skeptical Mm -hmm. uh, when we launched our online women's study. I just wasn't sure if people would connect, if it, you know, but we said, let's try it. And I think. I walked away from it feeling like I had a group of close friends right. and they are women that I would would share openly with. And um, so I it definitely uh, demonstrated to me that you can create community Absolutely. online. And for some people, this might be the only community that they have. Correct. So it's very important. Yes. Um, and we're so glad that you have, have been... A part of it. it. It's been such a beautiful thing for my heart. And, you know, that first online study that we did, it felt like God had appointed each of us there. Yes. And it was during lunchtime on a Wednesday, and ladies were in their car eating their lunch, joining mm-hmm. us online for Bible study. And I mean, really, that's how I got to know Miranda was yeah. online Bible study. Yes. Um, and it's it's such a great friendship. And I walk in the doors here occasionally when I'm visiting, and I know I'm going to get a hug. Absolutely. Or two or three or four, <laughs> you know. Um, so definitely. And, and, you know, it was as we went into the fall study, we added the evening group mm-hmm. on Wednesday evenings at 6 o'clock. And some of the ladies who had been in that group, the midday group, jumped over to 
um, the evening group, I did that because I was able to invite one of my sisters who lives in Minnesota to do Bible study with me on Wednesday night. She attends Online Rolling Hills. They moved to Minnesota. They hadn't been able to find a church, and Rolling Hills worked for them. And so now she is a part of that study still, and we became so close to one another, the whole group of ladies that when that series ended, mm-hmm. we went to Chloe and Miranda and asked if we could continue on during the Christmas holidays. Love it. Mm-hmm. And we did a four-week yep. study together, um, just most of the ladies from that evening group, because we didn't want to be without each other mm-hmm. for whatever it was, right. it was six, eight yeah. weeks, whatever yeah. it was. And so then when we started again this is this spring considered spring when we started yes. in January? Yes. It's hard to tell in Tennessee. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just put out a blast to all my nieces, my um, sisters, and said, hey, we could all do this together. And another one of my sisters, who lives in North Carolina, is joining us on Wednesday evenings. And last week, I was I missed it. I was driving here um, from Florida, but... Um, there was a really intense situation, and she related so closely that she and one of the other ladies stayed on afterwards and talked and prayed and, you know, just were friends supporting one another, all done online, you know. And, yes, yeah, so it you can build community. Right. You know, and I don't think it takes any more effort to build community online than it does in person. You have to be open. You have to be willing. Mm-hmm. And I think um, Rolling Hills, we as a church are starting to incorporate the online campus into our planning and into mm-hmm. our thought process, um, which is, you know, it's just a um, change in mindset, I guess. But um, Rolling Hills definitely sees our online campus as a campus right. that, that we're here to serve. So we're just, we're excited that we have so many active participants and it just keeps growing. And um, so it's exciting. It is. So Marcy, let's take a step back. Um, Would you, let's talk about you personally. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you just share your faith journey with us? Sure. So I grew up in the church, like many people who are in the church. Um, My mom was a very talented musician and she played piano and organ for every denomination of service you could imagine because my dad was in the military. And so wherever we would travel, she would get a job playing the organ or piano. And then when my parents divorced, we went to a private church in um, in New York, and then my mom decided to go ahead and move to North Carolina near Fort Bragg. And there she played at the main post chapel. And we were at church all day Sunday doing, you know, we, we would do the Episcopal service, the Protestant service, we would do the folk mass service, you know, we just did all of them. We were always there. We went to camp. We were part of this youth choir that traveled around our state. Um, we did all of the things, but that didn't mean that our household was a Christian household. We lived a very dysfunctional life while my parents were married and while they were not married. So the day that I prayed the sinner's prayer, I was seven years old. It is the one and only time that I ever remember sitting in church with my mom because she was always on the piano or the organ bench. 
and we were at Fort Sill in Oklahoma, and it was a little Baptist church that we were at, and the pastor did an altar call at the end of the service, and I just knew I had to go. I had, you know, my mom didn't go with me. I, did, I just knew I had to go. I walked down the aisle as one of my favorite hymns, Just As I Am, was playing, mm-hmm. and I accepted Christ as my personal Savior. Mm-hmm. You know, and with the traumatic, treacherous life that we were living inside our home, it was the thing that saved me, mm-hmm. truly saved me from so many things that could have gone wrong and things that did. I mean, there were things that did go wrong when I got older. Um, But uh, when I became of age, I moved out of my house, made some really bad choices. I wasn't following Christ. I wasn't living a Christian life. And at the age of 25, I found myself a single parent with no college degree, trying to figure out how in the world I was going to support this little girl. And it was then that I went back to church and recommitted my life to Christ. And, you know, it doesn't make everything perfect and, you know, smooth sailing. But what it does do is gives the hope and the knowledge that no matter what's happening, you're loved. And, you know, I'm I'm celebrating our pretty significant birthday this year. <laughs> um, you know, and as you start getting older, you start thinking about these things, mm-hmm. right? You start thinking about um, all of the—you see all of the things God's hand in the things that you maybe didn't see then, but you can see it now. So as I've, you know, come to this point in my life, I know there's nothing in this world that I can do or should do without Christ, you know? Amen. So often it's through the hard, it's through the valley, it's through the storms. Mm -hmm. When we get to, I say get to, truly get to experience the Lord in such an intimate way, looking back over your journey, what are some events or seasons that you don't mind sharing with us Mm -hmm. that were those valleys, those storms um, those times when you really did, God taught you so much about who He is. So when I was a young adult, before my daughter was born, my stepfather and my mom were, were separated. They were getting divorced. And there was an evening, a Friday evening, when I was supposed to go have dinner with him in this little apartment that he had moved into in another town dinner and a movie, and it was raining, and I had been working, and I had been taking classes, and, you know, I just I just didn't want to go. And so I called him, and he was, you know, so gracious as he always was. He was the nicest man. And that weekend, he committed suicide. That haunts me, but it also helped me to focus in on the fact that I really wanted people to know Jesus. You know, when someone in your life does that, you hear horrible things from people um, about, you know, well, they're not going to heaven and and all of these things. Um, and I don't believe that my God, who loves and cares so much for his children, would hold it against my stepfather that he was in this horrible valley that he couldn't get out of by himself, you know. So that was pivotal. 
um, a couple years later, uh, Sam's dad's father committed suicide. Mm. And it just had created in my heart this, like, I look at people and I can't imagine feeling the way they must have felt. But also, it's so important to me to make sure that everybody I know knows Jesus. Mm. You know, I can't make them accept it, but I can make sure they know it, that they know I love them and that God loves them so much more. And so that at that point, I had committed to never turning my back on anybody. Mm. It's so much. I can, like I said, not imagine the hurt, the pain, and we know now that so many people are dealing with that again, you know, at this point after COVID and and all the things. And it's so important that there's someone, something out there that can show them Jesus, mm-hmm. you know. So that was one very, very pivotal event in my life that really, as time went on, strengthened my faith in knowing that I never had to be there in that place because God loves me. And if I ever got to that point, I could tell him anything. And not just him, that there are people in the church who will embrace and, you know, walk alongside and all of those things. So there was that. And then um, when my daughter Samantha was in second grade, God brought this wonderful man into our lives. I had been divorced for seven years with, you know, nothing really going on. It, I decided to go back to school and finish my elementary education degree. Mm-hmm. And when I did that, I had no idea how we were going to live, no idea how we were going to pay rent, how I was getting food, How and Sam had started school, and I was determined that she would go to a Christian school because my view, and not everyone agrees with me, but my view at that time was that my daughter is already coming at the world at a disadvantage because she doesn't have two loving parents in her home. And so I wanted to provide everything I could for her to give her a solid, happy Christian upbringing. So I sent her to Christian school. When she started kindergarten, they did not they didn't give scholarships for kindergarten students. You had to pay that year <laughs> if your commitment was there Then they, when they were in first grade. Um, and their kindergarten program was half day. So I had to pay for after school care too. I, I, sometimes I look at it and I think, what in the world was I thinking? But I stepped out in faith. And when I, six months before I finished my degree, Sam was in second grade, a friend of mine had invited me to go to divorce recovery, which I was very annoyed about, but she kept bugging me. <laughs> I was like, I've been divorced seven years. I'm recovered. It's fine. I don't need to go sit to listen to other people talk about their divorces. Um, but she bugged me so much I went. Um, And they had not only that group on Tuesday nights. It was a huge group of single people who were going through divorce, had never been married, all of the the different things. And on Sunday morning, they would sit together in church. Mm. And, you know, how great. I don't have to go sit by myself at this other church that we were attending. Now I had people to sit with at church, you know. And Sam, Sam 
just hit it off with Marshall, my husband that has since passed away. But um, they were just like, you know, probably mostly because he gave her cookies when I said I she mean, couldn't have fair. them. I mean, that's fair. Right? Yeah. Right. Smart guy. Yeah. <laughs> right. So um, so one Tuesday evening we were there. I was stressed out about everything, all the things. And, and he said, hey, how about if I take you and Sam to get a burrito one night this week? Well, that's better than a diamond ring. I'm just saying. Cookies and burritos. Burrito. <laughs> I like yeah. this guy. Right. Yes. Right. Okay. Um, so we went, and and it was just, it was so precious. And so then we went on a real date <laughs> after yeah. that. Um, but he was so sweet. He, you know, brought me the long stem pink roses in the box, and he brought this cute little smiley mug for Sam. Um, and she went and stayed with one of my sisters when we went out. And three months later, we got married. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. Um, yes. So it was just. Oh my goodness, I could see God in every single step of that. And it was such a beautiful thing. Um, but then <laughs> the valley came, and um, on May 1st, 2006, he was diagnosed with lung cancer that had already spread to his brain. Mm. He was very self motivated. He had started a new business. He loved Jesus and made sure everybody he ran into knew about Jesus and um but he had been having weird sensations in his ear and so he had gone to the doctor and one round of antibiotics two rounds of antibiotics maybe he needed to go see an ENT um, he goes to the ENT the ENT says there's nothing wrong with your ears you need to go see your neurologist so he went, and they immediately sent him. In 2006, they didn't immediately do anything with MRIs, but they sent him immediately to get an MRI. And I will never forget getting the call. I was in my classroom finishing up on a Friday afternoon, and he called and said, I have to go back to the neurologist Friday afternoon at 4 o'clock. And I, I knew it was bad. I knew it was bad. So I walked downstairs, and my wonderful principal friend prayed with me. I was shaking. Um, Sam was still at school, even though she could drive at that point. She came downstairs, and um, and she wanted to go. Um, and I, I wanted to protect her from whatever it was, but she wanted to go. And mm -hmm. so she and I drove over to the neurologist, and the neurologist didn't call it cancer. He called it an angry mass in his mm. brain. And he was immediately admitted to the hospital. By the time we got to the hospital, he had lost all function of his left side because the tumor was pressing in there. Um, mm. So they put him on mega doses of steroids to shrink the swelling. Um, he stayed in the hospital a couple of days. We saw a neurosurgeon, and it couldn't be operated on because of the location. Neither could his lung be operated on because of the lung, the location of the cancer. At that time, they worked up all of the radiation process, all of the chemo process, we didn't have insurance. I worked at a Christian school, and he had his own business. We didn't have medical insurance. I didn't know how we were going to pay for all of this. Um, but, you know, God works it out. He always does. Mm -hmm. And so we went through um, five years. 
we were told at the very beginning, 1%, 1% of people live five years with the prognosis that he had. Um, so, so that was May 1st, 2006. He passed away on May 2nd, 2011, five years one day. And that was just so much who he was. You know, he just, he wasn't giving up. But it was a hard five years. Mm -hmm. It was a very hard five years. Um, And the last year I had to quit work um, so that I could take care of him full time. And the whole thing, you know, he was bed bound. And so it was feeding him and bathing him with sponges and changing his diapers and, you know, all of the things that you have to do when someone's that sick. Um, and at that point, his his mind was gone. It was overtaken with cancer. And his personality went from this man who was in just large and in charge to um, this mean person who would throw remotes at me because mm-hmm. he couldn't figure out how to work. He was so frustrated. And, um, yeah, so that was very hard. And there were days when hospice would come in and take care of him, I would go out in the backyard and I would sit there and I would yell at God. I was so mad. I was so mad. I didn't understand how he could have given that to me for 15 years and then take it away. That anger lasted for a long time. But, again, (laughs) but but I could see how God had his hand in the whole process. So many people came to know Jesus because of Marshall. He was able to be at Sam and Sean's wedding and walk her down the aisle. She was basically holding him up, but he did it, and he gave them a toast at their reception. And I had no idea he had done this, but um, when he and I were married, we went to the Don Cesar over in Tampa. Sam always wanted to go. Always, because it was such, it's called the pink castle on the beach. A pink castle on the beach. What girl doesn't want to? So he paid for them to go to a honeymoon. I didn't know what was happening. I don't know who helped him do that because he couldn't have done it on his own. But he did. I think so often in the middle of it, we can't see. Right. We know that the Lord Mm -hmm. has a plan for us, right? We Mm -hmm. know who he says he is, is true, mm-hmm. what the Bible says, right? Yes, yes. Um, but it's hard to feel that in the midst of it. And I was sitting across from a girl not too long ago, and she was like, she said, she was walking through a hard season, and she said, you know, we keep saying depend on the Lord, depend on the Lord. Like, what does that, what does that even mean? Like, how do you even do that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so for you, what did it mean to depend on the Lord? So I, even though I was angry, and I stayed angry for a while. Um, a- even after he passed away, I knew through all the things that had happened in my life prior to Marshall and the things that I had known about God during our marriage and you know all of the things, I knew that he was still there, right? I knew he wasn't going to let go of me. I knew that my anger was not too much for him. He wasn't going to bail on me just because I was angry. And really and truly, the only way I could have survived through that is because of God. 
I, I don't know how you do that without the hope and the love that comes from Christ. I just don't. So, and even, you know, even now it's been 23, 12 years. Is that right? 12 years mm -hmm. since he's been um, gone. And I, um, I fell at work and injured my back and had to leave work last year. I was having a, <laughs> I was having a really hard time when we were going through our first women's Bible study mm -hmm. online. And I know Miranda heard me say I was so worried I was going to have to live under the bridge down the street <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> at the river, and just you know, just just um, all of those things uh, that, that's that can be scary, but. Um, but in reality, I knew that I could depend on him. Mm -hmm. And I've gotten to a place now, a year after that, you know, trying to figure out how to make life work without work. Now I know whatever happens, he's taking care of it. I don't have to worry about it. Right. I'm not going to live under the bridge. <laughs> I'm not. Right, right. And if I have to, hey, it's a good bridge. You have quite a story of God is provider in oh, your yes. life. I've heard oh, that as kind of a theme yes. since we've been sitting across from yes. you. Yes. And it's obvious you've gone through all kinds of different seasons, but for our listeners, um, what encouragement would you have for those women who are angry at God, who have gone through a traumatic event, who maybe feel isolated, lonely, um, and are looking for community, what, what encouragement do you have for them? God's got you. He's got it. You don't have to worry about it. He's got you. You can be angry at Him. He can handle it. And He's not going anywhere. And the beautiful thing that comes out of it in the end is going to be so wonderful, whatever that turns out to be. And sometimes we just don't know what that's going to turn out to be. And it's okay, because He does know what it is, right? He's good, and He's gracious, and He loves us no matter the mistakes we've made, no matter the trauma that we've been through, no matter the um, anger that we have. He's not going anywhere. He loves you so much. And then as well, there are people here at Rolling Hills who love you and would do anything um, to help. Amen. I mean, really and truly. And that's not common at every church. This church has a special, I don't even know the word, a special spirit about it that is all about loving people like God would love them. And so if someone is going through, there's a lady listening that's going through a tough time, Reach out. You know, if you can't get on campus, it's okay. You can go online. Mm -hmm. There are so many ways to connect with Rolling Hills. You can call on the phone. You can, you know, whatever it is, um, and, and join a group. Get involved. And if that means Zoom Bible study on Wednesday evening, do it because you will come out of it so blessed. I, I have so many good friends now like truly good friends. And I don't live here. <laughs> well, a lot of them don't either. You know? I love it. I love that. So often the way that the Lord provides for us or comforts us is through those sweet friendships, yes. through that church community, through mm -hmm. that church family, mm -hmm. right? Yes. 
We love to ask this question, oh um, <laughs> and we know you're you're a mom, you're a mother-in-law, you're a grandmother, you are a friend, you are a sister. What do you what do you want your legacy to be? That's such a great question. Like, shouldn't we all sit down and think about that from time to time? Yes. <laughs> such a great question. So, so first and foremost, I want to. I would love for my two precious grandsons, when I'm gone, to sit in church and remember what I remember about my grandmother. Mm. I when we sing certain hymns, I can hear her sing. Mm. And that is her legacy. She loved us and she loved the Lord. And so, you know, most importantly, want them to know that I loved them and I loved the Lord. Mm. And he will never leave them or forsake them. Amen. So that is, you know, that would be my number one thing. And then there's this other thing that that I really believe God gave to me during the height of Marshall's illness when it was really hard to be a caregiver. We don't take care of caregivers very well. We take care of patients, but we don't take care of caregivers. And I... It has just been a dream of mine that I, I do believe it was from God to start Caretaker's Cottage, a place. There there were a couple of times when Marshall was really, really, really sick. He hated the hospital. I I sent him a couple of times near the end out to—we have a beautiful hospice house in, in Brevard County in Florida, and I— had him transported out there for a weekend, and I didn't even want to be in my own house because of all the things that were connected with that constant cancer battle. And so I checked into a hotel. I went to Barnes & Noble. I got a book. I went, and I laid in that hotel room and read for two days, and it was wonderful. And so that has been so, so heavy on my heart for caregivers. So in my mind, what caregivers cottage looks like is a place for caregivers to be able to come, to be able to rest, to be able to do whatever it is, whether it's sit on the porch, go to the beach, whatever it is, and just be and not have to worry about paying for it, not have to worry about what's happening with their loved one, just to be able to recoup, regroup. So I've started in little ways getting my house ready for um, Airbnb, and I think that's the first step to just putting out there if you have a relative that needs a respite, I have a place where they can just be. I love that. One thing that I did want to mention before we finish our time together, just for if we have any listeners out there that um, maybe are listening to this and are prompted, I, I would like to take a step and get involved with an online community. Um, Rolling Hills, we are online every Sunday morning, as well as we do have a women's weekday um, Bible study and small group online. It's called The Gathering, and that we have a midday um, optional Zoom option, as well as a Wednesday evening from 6 to 730. And you can find all the information on that at Rolling Church, and we would love to um, welcome anyone who wants to participate. So um, just wanted to put that out there. For sure. Um, Marcy, before we go today, can we just pray for you? Oh, I would love that. <laughs> 
Father, I just thank you so much for Marcy and um, for her faithfulness, for her um, transparency today and sharing her journey with us, even the even the painful parts. God, I just pray that you would bless her abundantly, that um, her caretaker's cottage, that you would just open doors and make that a reality for her. Um, Lord, I pray for those out there that are um, just needing community um, and aren't sure how what is the next step for them. I just pray that you would open a door, make it obvious, give them the courage to reach out. Um, and I just thank you for Marcy and um, the legacy that she is creating here. And um, we are just so honored to have her as a friend and a sister in Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Marcy, thank you for sharing your heart and your time and your journey. I just imagine you have such a beautiful legacy already. Um, Ladies, thank you for listening to season four of As You Go. If you are interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. As You Go podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.